What's up, baby? Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm thankful. Me too. Oh, yeah? What are you thankful for? Why are you thankful right today? What? what well, is... the, I mean, this is our Thanksgiving special. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for every single thing that I have that has led me to this moment right now, including preparing for this podcast today, um, getting our kids out the door to go see the movie. Um, Every aspect of my life good nor bad, everything, I'm thankful for it all. I think the love that we have is what fuels me, you and I, you and I. Are you saying you and I, like yeah. me and you? Me and you. Check, Raj. That is, that is something that fuels me, fuels me that I'm thankful for. Um, and I think overall, just my family and your family and our friends – um, and that includes, you know, all their, our children, um, our little puppy that's in the house today and everything else I'll say sounds cliche. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to leave it at the love from our family and our friends and our children and each other. That's, a, that's mostly what I'm thankful for. Well, that's beautiful. And, and the point I'm trying to make is that it's not easy. It's not easy to eloquently describe the totality of thanks that you can exist in, right? I mean, so often it, it takes these special moments or these times, these holidays, these uh, forced uh, uh, groupings, if you will, of loved ones and friends and or these forced moments for us to kind of raise the flag in our own minds. Hey, hey, you have to be thankful this week. Yeah, let's stop for a second and think about it. I don't think that you always have to be conscious, but then you have to be careful that you don't take it for granted, right? A hundred percent. And and I so I think, you know, the basis of, of really, not only do I want everybody to introduce everybody to my beautiful, incredible, amazing, wonderful, intellectually superior, uh, athletically <laughs> perfect... <laughs> What are you doing? Are you shutting me down on my praise? That's not. Anyways, to introduce you to everybody, I know we get a truckload of direct messages and emails. And I mean, I think you have what, 400 uh, awaiting people on Instagram wanting to follow you now uh, for the all the different posts we've had. So one of the interesting things about, you know, this this becoming thankful thing on these moments, right? is how do we break that down? And what, how, do you, how do you itemize every little thing you're thankful for in your life? How do you, how do you uh, we take one of our children, let's take the seed, for example, who, who literally plants love in, in our hearts every single day. And Dana, how do I wrap up the immensity of that thankfulness, right? right? Yeah. And, and it's similar to us as veterans. We, we all, all the time we get, hey, thank you for your service. That's a big thank you, man. That's a big, that's a big thank you. But how do you, how do you process the totality of our thanks, right? 
And, and one of the questions that I, I wanted to start out today is, you know, having spent so much time as a single mother, and, and, and we talk about this often, about getting entrenched in the grind, right? Getting entrenched in the daily routine, the daily routine and uh, the essence of survival, mm-hmm. right? Not only for yourself, but also for the kids, the girls, right? And now with me in your life and with my girls in your life, you know, is it difficult in the rigor of that survival, of that that grind, is it difficult to remain thankful? Or was it difficult? I really think when everything is stripped away in the sense of, you know, for me, all the little, the pleasures came from just the tiny basic things, which were day to day, you know, the first words Gracie said, um, any kind of, you know, word that Chloe could write, um, just going to the park and seeing her develop. It, it, it sounds so silly, but every tiny basic child development uh, progressional whatever you want to call it any any little thing that that the girls would do was what gave me pleasure um I believe at a time when you know everything feels like so much work you feel um you feel relief and you feel like this sense of accomplishment that you know, a lot of people at that time in my life maybe were getting a master's degree or getting a new job or were able to buy their first home or a new car. For me, those things were 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 stripped. And so the girls were my main sole purpose for everyday fuel. And what they did inspired me. And it was so it was so raw that um, I felt it. I felt it day, day to day. And so I think when that happens, you can finally have the ability to be thankful for just every special tiny moment that you experience through your children. Um, and so there have been times for sure that I've probably lost that because I've been distracted by other things, but they are, you know, the reason why I got up every day. And, um, I think, you know, for the people that are listening, um, I experienced great loss by, I was married and, and my husband passed away and, uh, both the girls were so little that, you so the seed was four months and then yeah. and the swan was four years four years yeah and so there have been massive milestones in in my life I say our life because I include them in that but since then but um I don't think for a second I've 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 been taken away from that focus of each little milestone that you know they 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 are going through that 
gives me thanks. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Because one of the interesting things that I think, you know, you read so much and we've had this discussion and when, when period, when people ex- experience loss or a loved one and, and, you know, I, I, as you know, I just this afternoon went and met with a, a new merging, merging f- friend or hopefully friend and who's going through cancer right now. And, mm-hmm. and, it, you know, the conversation you have in those in those moments is much different than the conversation, you know, you have when you go get a glass of wine with somebody or you, you go to the gym with somebody. I mean, you know, some people talk about deep stuff, depending upon the level of friendship, but it's rare that you really allow yourself to, to move into that, the heaviness, the heaviness of loss, the heaviness, the reality of death in our lives and the role it plays. And so I think, you know, it's, it's critical for people to understand from you and your perspective how that loss generated the ability to be meticulous in your gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. To be meticulous in those little incremental improvements in, in either the girl's lives or more importantly, in your life, in your recovery from mm-hmm. that loss. Mm-hmm. So what was it like? Did you have to be conscious of it or was the substantial nature of loss, did it force your consciousness to be living in that minute um, um, gratitude? I think it, it, you know, at first it's forced. You don't, it's sense of survival for survival at that point. Um, You, my children needed me more than I needed myself. I think if that makes any sense, Um, you know, you wake up every morning and as horrible as you feel as sad and as much pain as you're in, they have smiles on their faces and they're so innocently, you know, living life without having that, that heavy burden of the loss. Yeah. They, Chloe felt it a little bit. Um, she at four years old probably didn't understand it, but as a, for an infant, she had no idea, um, as a baby, and the joy that she brought, just that that natural ability for her to make anyone smile. She her, you know, she had this beautiful soul that every morning I'd wake up and look at her and it it just it it started the day on the right foot. And I know a lot of people or a few people who said that they had lost, you know, their husbands when they were young and but they didn't have children. And so to get out of bed was a struggle to, to even put one, you know, foot in front of the other. <laughs> um, so in a weird way, as hard as it was that there were these two little children that were dependent on me in, in every sense of, of, of their survival, it was, you know, th- that was what saved me. They saved me from, from probably going down a really dark path. Wow, that's a great, that's a great uh, frame of reference for people. I think as they as they really develop a heightened sense of gratitude, right, where they elevate their ability to be thankful for things. Because one of the one of the things that I've definitely found over the course of of, of my adult life, in particular, with the, the amount of loss, the amount of struggle, the post traumatic stress, all that stuff, is man, you you gotta be rooted. In, in the simplicity of, of, of each day, mm-hmm. right? And, and, 
And what is what is truly miraculous are those advancements that we're we participate in in each other, right? So that moral support you give, or the little pat on the butt to get back in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 you know, that sense of man, I've taken steps back the last four weeks, man, but we just had a big step forward today, right? And right. And, and and so when you know, did you were you able to evaluate life in in that um in that i don't want to call it a minute of detail of gratitude but you know growing up in a small town in in maine right and and you know be but also being an athlete a division one athlete and were you always able to reference the details in that perspective maybe not in terms of gratitude but always paying close attention to the details for sure yeah i think um you know and one of the things we're we started this by talking about what we're thankful for and my family being one of the main ingredients in that my parents um i think you and i were raised very different but also we have some massive similarities in the sense that our value system our values and 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 what our our family made as the importance of or our our elders were were respected and you know, the atten- like you asked, the, the attention to detail was, <laughs> it's so, it's so uh, practical in how I was raised. I had a grandfather who was a World War II vet who was paralyzed at uh, 19 years old. And that attention to making sure, you know, the preparation of, of every day to get the man, you know, we have to you know go to church he needed help getting out of the car and someone had to be there and um you know how where he sat at the dinner table had to be specific so it sounds um you know it, it it's not the the way that i'm trying to think you know we didn't live our life in this very logical manner but the the way that you're our perspective was prepared for us was very different than I think a lot of our peers and other kids, just because we had this, this man who was like a hero in every sense of the way that was so respected by so many people. It just shifted the focus of what's important at such an early age that, you know, we didn't really have any other option. We didn't, we didn't know any different. I love that perspective. I think that's a critical thing that, that is, is unless you have the experience of a of a, a very relevant trauma in your life, right? And the existence of, of your grandfather Roland Ouellette, um, and by the way, just for our listeners, Roland uh, was about a month out from uh, going into Berlin with his unit, uh, and uh, they got into uh, basically a, a, they were slinging shells, big shells back and forth, and he took a piece of uh, shrapnel in the base of his spine and was 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 paralyzed from that moment on. Uh, and I wa- I'd love for you to go into the description of what happened when he came back and, and, and the evolution to getting to you and your place and the family. But, you know, what, what I think is so often is, you know, like you say, you just learn to do things. You just react. Oh, he doesn't, his legs don't work. So everybody's got to pitch in to fill backfill that. It's not this very 
definitive conscientious hey everybody uh, grandpa's leg or, or, or Pepe. Pepe's legs don't work. Let's make sure we don't mess this up, right? Or hey, yeah. Pepe's legs, he needs help getting pushed. People just filled just in and took care of it. Yeah. Them. And it was all, it was every generation, you know, it was as soon as my, my brothers and my cousins were big and strong enough to take over where my dad and uncles had. They just did it. It wasn't like anyone had to teach them or tell them what to do. It was just a natural progression. Can you describe uh, Roland and, and what happened, you know, prior to that? And then, you know, what, what he was aspiring to become then that and then what happened ever meeting meeting your grandmother? Um, so, yeah, he grew up in this small town um, called Jay, J-A-Y. Uh, you can't really you can find it on the map, but um it's not substantial. Um, it's a mill town, and his father actually owned a bunch of land that is now where the J, the high school is. And they had there was a there was a pond there that they used the ice for refrigeration. So he would, you know, sell the ice, and um, so it was farmish where, where they were. They had a sort of a farm, and um, he ended up selling. My great grandfather ended up selling that to the the town which then became where the baseball and football fields at our high school were. And so I grew up on a street that was named our last name, Willette. So um, my grandfather wanted to go to the war before he was 18, and they obviously didn't let him. And so when he did go away, uh, at that time, he was this pretty badass baseball player. (laughs) Um, He was a catcher. And... So when he was playing, when he was in in the in the army, he was playing ball, and he was actually being scouted by. Is it true that the Red Sox were looking at him? I don't know if it was the Red Sox. I know it was the major, you know, major leagues were okay. scouting him, and um, that was potentially going to be something he was he was going to um, look into when he finished when the war was over. Right. So, as we explained before, he was hit with shrapnel. Um, I believe he was only one of two men in his platoon that survived. Mm-hmm. And um, he lost his legs. You know, they, they, he was paralyzed. And so when he came back from, from the war, it had been a couple of years since he stepped back foot into Jay. And, um, you know, my great-grandparents had converted a bed or a room in their house downstairs that became his bedroom with a bathroom and everything. And he was the oldest in his family, the oldest sibling. Of how many? Oh God, I should know this. Uh, I think there are nine, eight or <laughs> eight or nine. And so he was like the big brother, you know, that everyone looked up to. Um, and I think it was obviously at, you know, 20, 21 years old to come home and not have that capability and kind of not really know what, you're going to do for the rest of your life um, was a struggle. Uh, fortunately, he had some cousins and friends who had been in the war as well, so they were able to bond over that at your typical, you know, VFW hall. And <laughs> um, God bless him. Yeah, um, and they used to go dancing, and they were at a dance hall, and he met my grandmother. I believe that that's the story that we know. Um, and they fell in love and she fell in love with him in spite of his handicap and she was a nurse and so it kind of just made sense and not not purposely but um 
the fact that she she probably knew that he would need you know a lot of care and support as time went on um they were both catholic and they had to have their marriage approved by the bishop because uh in the catholic religion they say that you know it's you need to procreate and they didn't believe that my grandfather would be able to so to uh, the, the bishop had to approve the marriage that my grandmother wasn't going to leave him if they couldn't have children and um and then i don't know what she was going to take from him but uh, so they ended up having seven kids <laughs> way so, to go Roland. way to go buddy actually i think my grandmother gets the credit for that one. <laughs> Yes, she uh, yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, she, Mimi. Yeah, I think she was... She was. <laughs> you get the credit. Yeah, she. I think she actually had... Um, she she had another child that she lost, so she would have had eight children. And, and um, a husband in a wheelchair. And a husband in a wheelchair, yeah. Basically living off of, wow. you know, war pension and uh, Just disability. Can you pick up on that through the recording, you yep. think? Yeah. Yeah, it's loud. So that was the 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 foundation of my father's family. Um <laughs> So that was the foundation of my father's family. Um and, and just all I can do is just, I, I just start to think about your dad and I start to think about his brothers and sisters and, and the intensity of that, right? Because now all of a sudden, you know, your, your, your father is not only a war hero, but he's also uh, one of the highest respect, respected men of your town, a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Woolette Street you know, they contributed all the ball fields. And so that sense of those value systems begin to transfer. And they transfer through the, uh, the acknowledgement of, of trauma, mm-hmm. right? And the way your, your grandfather carried himself, mm-hmm. right? And then the way your father carried himself and his, his brothers and sisters. And then all of a sudden that comes on to you and your brothers too. Right. And, and so do you remember at your Thanksgiving dinners? Oh, for sure. What were those like? Paint a picture for those for us. Oh, at my, my dad's side of the family. I mean, with seven children, all their spouses, that's 14. And then each of them had, you know, it wasn't every single family member there every year, but for the most part, um, I think four, I think four of us five of us lived in in our town and all of them have children so i'm one of 18 grandchildren <laughs> um so our family thanksgivings were a big table i mean we had to end up doing buffet style because there's no space for everyone to sit down you know it's 50 people whatever <laughs> um so 
we would eat and it would be, you know, all the in the den where everyone was sitting was the football game was on. And my grandfather was usually right smack in the middle in his wheelchair. And we would be playing with our cousins doing, you know, whatever. And we'd go outside and this time of year in Maine, it's pretty cold. So um, we would probably be playing football or wiffle ball or something. And it was just very, you know, home style uh good America. family fun America, yeah. Right? yeah yeah we my brother married my cousin and you know a fake wedding ceremony and we threw flowers whatever <laughs> it was always something like you know and um did Roland did Roland give the blessing every year I don't remember he carved the turkey you know yeah. he sat at the head of the table and and did that um I, I we didn't have a formal sit down so in order to bless the food I think it was he probably did it on his own. I, I can't. I right. can't remember him actually speaking in, for, in to everybody. Um, Do you remember the conversations with him as a little girl sitting on the? You always paint that vivid picture of sitting on his his wheelchair armrest. Yeah. And what were the things that that he would bestow upon you about life and about being thankful? Do you any have any memories of that? Well, for for he things that were important to him were checking in, you know, wanting to know what we were, what we were doing, how we were doing, what sport we were playing. And if we, you know, for a second, as soon as you started talking about sports, it's like, well, let's go outside. And so he would take us out there and show us how to shoot or show, show us how to throw or bat or whatever it may be. Well, why don't you guys line up and race and, you know, and, and, and help us. So he, he wasn't a man of many words. Um, and everything was very uh, abrasive. So he was loud. He had a huge hands. It was a big, you know, it wasn't like a, a little kiss or a little snuggle. It was like a hard slap on your leg, you know, or your butt or whatever, and 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 or a grab. But it was it was love. It was his way of showing that he, you know, cared about us. And I remember sitting on that chair and. And, and he would read us stories at night and he would change all the words in the story and we would, and he'd, or he'd say them in French and we would get so mad at him. So he was a jokester. He had a really great sense of humor. He was full of it, um, as were all of his siblings and then my dad and, and, his, and his siblings as well. Yeah, how did how did the effects of 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 his paralysis bleed down into the the offspring and your father and and his siblings? Was it because obviously it it wasn't all hunky dory, you know? Anybody who suffers a catastrophic injury like that at such a young age, and in the context of the end of the world, so mm -hmm. to speak, right? Um, you know, how does that translate into your aunts and uncles and your, your, your parents? Um, you know, my, my grandfather from right after the war, you know, going, like I said, to the VFW hall wasn't a joke because it was, it was a normal everyday thing most of the time. And they, they lived actually, you could drive through his, his mother's driveway. So my great grandmother's house to get to his house and on the other side of hers was the Amvets. So you, he would just get in his car and drive over and drive home. And when he'd come home, most of the time at night, he was drunk. So um, I think that for my dad and his brothers, they, and his sisters as well, they, 
they were exposed to a behavior that they weren't comfortable with. Um, it was harsh. They didn't like it. But then there was another side of him when he wasn't drinking that was pretty inspiring. Um, and I don't want to speak for them. I don't know. Yeah. But I believe, you know, with how they saw his work ethic and his perseverance and all the the ways that he carried himself and how he... You Tell know, the story about Rakin. Tell the Rakin yeah, story. Yeah, there's a, there's a story that... Um, because he couldn't play sports himself he he wanted to be as involved as he could in in the town and he and some other young men started all the youth sports teams in our town and um baseball was his favorite and there was a baseball field that he was building and working on and he'd go down there and he was pretty self-sufficient he could pull himself in and out of the car a lot of the times when he was younger and uh and he was in his wheelchair on the field and he had fallen out of the of the wheelchair as he was raking the field. And when someone came upon him later in the day, he was laying on his stomach, raking the field, <laughs> still going at it. So um, I think he made my 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 brothers, or my, sorry, my dad and his brothers, they they did a lot of uh, random uh, labor for him that one of the things was there was where they lived there was a banking with rocks in it and he wanted all those rocks gone and chipped out and so they'd just be sitting you know outside he'd have them go outside and they'd just be breaking up the rocks or chipping away or building the yard and you know it, and because they watched him do it they didn't have what were they going to say no <laughs> you know, we we're not going to do that or we can't do that. <laughs> so um, he set a standard for my, my father and my aunts and uncles. And then for us grandchildren that you just don't have, sometimes you don't have a choice. And, and, and I guess one of the easiest metrics to, to understand that influence was that every single five out of the seven of his offspring became valedictorian of their class. Everyone went to college. Yeah. Uh, all have great careers. Yeah. You're, you're They're ama amazing athletes, well-rounded people. Many of them played in college, right? Your yeah, uncle division Pete, one. There was yep. division one football player still holds what two record longest, yeah. longest, uh, kickoff return and yep. university of so. Maine history. Your dad has how many state champion or, or national champion. Or, My dad was a, was a, um, I believe he was a ski meister. So which is in high school, you become, so you have to, in order to win that, you have to compete in all four events. Um, and he did as, I think as a freshman, he won. He wow. was, so he ended up going on to college and uh, being a ski jumper and a Solomon cross country competitor as well. So my uncle Fred played my uncle Pete, as you said, um, Julie played basketball. So yeah, they're all great, again, well-rounded individuals, but we keep forgetting one thing because you're, you keep asking me about my grandfather. Well, I'm going to get there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot now because okay. I, I, what I want to do is, is, and, and this is on, on a longer arc of this show. Trust me, I'm calling, <laughs> gonna, I'm, there's a method to my madness, mm -hmm. right? You're still trying to figure that out. But so you're you're right. Well, what I'm saying is that you have this implied 
responsibility as a result of the the individual, the patriarch, this guy that represents this thing that's bigger than all of us, right? Mm -hmm. He gave his legs for our freedom. Mm -hmm. And even two generations down, you're still feeling the effects of that, still feeling the responsibility to that. But what ultimately enables all of that to happen was your grandmother. Right. And so she, you and I have discussed, but can you talk about the things that she would do what enabled you to really be appreciative of all the things that 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 were going on in in your in your life i think that she represented pretty much everything that he didn't so they were you know the perfect balance of of each other she was as soft as he was hard she was as patient as he was you know impatient Um, she was able to not, she didn't have the frustration that he had. Right. So he had that frustration he probably lived with every day about post-traumatic stress, right. Post-traumatic stress. Why, why did this happen? He never acted like that around us, but I'm sure it's deep down inside of him thinking it's impossible not. Right. Um, and so she didn't live with that frustration. So I don't know if she consciously said, well, this man has this and I'm going to, um, I'm going to progress this family forward in a way that um, takes care of all the things he can't do emotionally, or if she just is that person. Right. And so she, um, she had this, insane ability to just make everybody feel loved and as big as their home was in the sense of how many people they had to feed every night at the table it was there were still other kids all, that were always there that's the one that yeah. really got me when you when you described that can why would your grandmother allow kids that were poor kids what in the neighborhood that or even their have- cousins who didn't want to go home to their own parents that lived up the street. Right. They wanted to stay at my grandparents' house. Um, she just, she didn't turn people away. There was no judgment. Um, and that's so true to how she looked at my grandfather. She fell in love with him as the person, not and for any other reason. And so, you know. Not for the persona, but for the person. For the person, yeah. right. And so when, you know, and it wasn't just children. It were it, it was people. It was f- people in the community and friends and people in church and everything that she just naturally was giving and loving and and, and nurturing to. Um, she just had this way of just the way she greeted you when you walked through the door, and you know she was she was soft. Like I, I feel like that she had this softness even the way her body was and she'd kiss us on the lips and she had, you know, a red lipstick on and my grandfather was hard and whatever. But there it was, it was, um, compatible. Yeah. It, it worked for what gave everybody this kind of, um, all encompassing idea of what love really can mean. I, I think now you're talking, right? Because what you have is you have this young, young man who gave essentially what could have been 
the grand effort of his life could have stopped and started with World War II. But he meets this woman who falls in love and gives him not only the purpose, but these beautiful children Mm -hmm. and then these beautiful grandchildren. And so it's, as, as you and I discuss a lot, it it becomes this nice balance and that's what you're searching for. And, and when it's there Mm -hmm. and it works, that gratitude, that thankfulness about the minute little details of all things, they become overwhelming, you know, and, 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 you know, for our listeners, for, you know, the first, you know, six to nine months that we would, we were together, we would both reference, you know, John and I would reference with each other. I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed at the gratitude that there's somebody on this planet who doesn't judge me for all my challenges. Not that, you know, we don't get upset with each other. That'd be unrealistic, but we don't judge each other for right. our idiosyncratic behavior. We don't judge each other for our our dysfunctional nuances from whatever traumas that we may have experienced. And, and I think that's an important thing to realize that even in the midst of your own trauma, you still have the potentiality to uh, evolve right. and, to re- and to take that experience and to cultivate this gratitude in it that moves into a whole nother space in your life. And I, and for me, that's what I also see that tremendously with your mother, mm-hmm. right? That here she was, she, you know, she met, you know, your father, they fell in love early. They went on to have four beautiful children who are all exceptional. All of you are exceptional. And it was that, that mutual gratitude, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and the grind too. Right. And, and, and can you describe a little bit about how your mom integrated into all that as well? From what I always can remember when I look back as a kid, the focus was so much on, sorry, on um, on being around our grandparents. And when I talk so much about my dad's side, my mom's my mom's parents were incredible as well. And so, and we, your mom's your mom's father served in Korea. And then your mom was this erudite woman who used to smoke. My grandmother. Your, gran- yeah, your grandmother yeah. used to smoke yeah. uh, uh, pipes, right? Yeah, she she was just a character. So when you when you talk about your grandmother, your mom's mom, and and the influence she had on you was also every bit as profound too, wasn't it? Yeah, she was someone who I I just had this the way she presented herself with people and socialized and she she had all walks of life coming into her home and um without judgment again so it was this i got it from both sides of of just really um having this big welcoming heart and she was just really unique in a good way um I learned how to appreciate reading from her and writing and she introduced me to I think you know she gave me her first little woman book when I was probably too young to even know what that would be like and and then she just continued to keep giving me you know different books as as I developed and and um she had animals at her house and she treated the animals like they were you know, people and, and it was weird to some people, but to us as kids, it was the coolest thing in the world. You know, we'd go to her house and there'd be, you know, go get the eggs in the chicken pen. And then we would, 
be go through the electric fence and try to get zapped see how many times we could get zapped (laughs) and there would be sheep and goats and you know she had wild turkeys that they slaughtered before thanksgiving and christmas so that was really traditional um when you talk about you know that that real main home style america yeah yeah um the turkeys that were chasing us that summer were on our dining room table at thanksgiving and christmas and she named them so it was a little bit weird but and so embrace the weird what's what's fascinating to me is that you know people talk of exactly what you're talking about as a time forgotten right and and this is not the case i mean this is recent and recent history i'm like 25 so (laughs) (laughs) you are so 25 (laughs) and 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 but this is this is the reality of a lot of people in this country they they have these these really uh, soulful um um rooted value systems that are a derivative of generations that get passed down mm-hmm. and so i i think you know the component for me is it really you know and i think what makes you so unique is is how early on you were picking up these details that you appreciated, you know, going to get eggs in, in the chicken coop and, and her giving you a book or sitting on, 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 on Pepe's chair or all these, the, 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 the intensity, uh, if you will, of 50 people at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. When, when were you first, uh, when did you first become acutely aware that you were processing um, these little details in, in, in a greater capacity than your average, you know, young, uh, young adult female or, or even boy too. I think I, I started to process it pretty early on. Um, I really don't have a lot of memories outside of times at both of their homes. Uh, obviously I have three brothers, so the memories with them are pretty substantial. Um, there, you know, I have significant times that stick out in my mind, but with my grandparents, let me just interrupt just so everybody that's listening. Like one of the fun things that we do at night is after our day has wound wound down and the, our four kids are in bed finally at whatever point that might be, uh, we, we go back into our, our, our area, our, our domicile and we just chat. And one of my favorite things, one of the most soothing things for me to do is to, to have, uh, Jonna tell me these beautiful detailed stories of, of every person she played with. Like I can say, all right, who did you, who is on your freshman college team, where they were from, what their parents' names were, what position they played, where they lived, where their dorm was, what kind of cleats they wore. She can process all that stuff. I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. So when I, when I make reference to paying attention to the details, which I believe are acutely, associated with our ability to have uh, a profound gratitude and to yeah. be and to live in a thankfulness we're talking she's at another level right and 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 i know you, you kind of you we have those discussions that you don't think you're different or, or anything like that but it, it's quite a powerful thing so again back to those mo- that moment when you started to realize man i am picking up on all of this stuff my situational awareness is pegged yeah. Um, I believe pretty early on, 
I would say, well, remember, I had a brother. So my youngest brother is nine years younger than I am. So at nine, there was a side of me that believed that I was his surrogate mom, you know? So when my mom, I just wanted to, he was my baby, you know? And, And so at that age, it shifts as you're not just this little girl anymore. You actually can change diapers. You can feed a child. You can, you know, nurture them. In my mind, I thought that I was doing that. Obviously, my mom and dad were the parents, but there was a side of me that went from, or there was a part of me that went from being a little girl to being like responsible for something. And I was never left home alone with him, but it shifted. And around that age, I had like significant memories of um especially with my mom's mom my grandmother my nana um and i think with her introduction to this other side of of learning that was just different to me uh, she was just a really beautiful um really unique person that just had this ability to tell stories and to talk about things that my mom and dad didn't talk about or anybody else that mm-hmm. I knew. Um, and I really, I remember reading something that she wrote and wanting to write like her because she wrote like she was telling this a story and, and she used words that I didn't had known before. And so you read a book and then you read something that someone you know wrote right and so there's a shift there um and so that awareness yeah and and as a as a kid we didn't travel we didn't have a lot of stuff my dad worked my mom was home with us um but so all of our uh all the things that as kids we were we felt were important was time right time with family time you know and all of our birthdays my grandmother would say what do you want for your birthday, for dinner, and she'd make her specific things. So she would sit there for me, I would get to have a cup of coffee and she put homemade whipped cream in it that she made. And so that was that was eight, nine years old, maybe even younger. Um, and so she treated me like I was, I was privileged enough to be treated like a young lady instead of yeah. just like this annoying kid. Um, and so that evolved too so as a kid when you start to feel it like your relationship evolves with your with your elders with my parents with so you know I go off to college and it's the first time that I'm like whoa my mom whoa, and dad whoa, whoa. slow are- down there because there is there's a whole nother spectrum of this I mean you know obviously I, I believe in having spent a, not a, a tremendous amount of time with your siblings and your parents but also you know cousins and stuff like that you know, you, you started hitting another level of performance early on. I mean, you played AAU basketball, you were a state champion track player your freshman year, you, you became one of the top field hockey players in your area and eventually one of the best in the state. So there, and you got straight A's in school, right? For the most part. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden now, because of, I believe, you know, you had these profound, you know, grand parental influences who were teaching you all these metrics of, of responsibility and thankfulness, you know, which, which go, which correlate, right? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden you're, you're integrating it into your own performance. And so your drive to, to, 
to be the best you could be as an individual really started to shoot into the next stratosphere, right? Yeah, I have probably un my expectations for myself are for the to get to the highest level started really early. As soon as I was playing against girls that were two years older than me, um, and as soon as you get a taste for it, right? So even academically, so you get chosen to be in a gifted and talented course, right? In, in like sixth grade, as soon as you get chosen to do that, there, to, for me, there were no other options. Same with sports. You get picked, chosen for varsity and you perform well. There are no other options. And so my, my level for, of expectation for myself at a young age was really high and higher. I didn't talk about it. It wasn't like a subject we sat around and said, well, I feel like your expectations are very high today. Uh, how, <laughs> can, we re, can we evaluate that? No, but I just felt it. I didn't want to fail. I hated not, you know, being the best at, at things, but um, it also was a driver, right? Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't pout when I wasn't, I, I went outside and shot a hundred more baskets or I, you know, went to the field by myself or, um, so it just, it, you did the things that you needed to do when nobody was looking for sure. Yeah. For and sure. that, that, that's a legacy thing. That's a, that's a influence thing, I believe. And then, you know, well, it's like, it's like anything. So we live in a space now where we, you and I talk about it. What, what's the value of being a mom or a dad or whatever? What's the measurement of that? And no one's watching. No one really. No one's sitting around every day and saying, all right, check, she did this. Check, she did that. <laughs> but so we don't really, it's, it's a quiet um, space of existence that you're in where no one's really measuring it. You have to do it. And then you're kids are good or they're not. And so that's like your, that's where your, that's, that shows your, your success from right? parenting. From I'm parenting. I'm, I'm talking about the individual, but I'm right saying now. from yeah. when you go back to that, it, it's very, it's quiet. I think most, the way I was raised, you did it or you didn't do it. If you didn't do it, no one was going to hold your hand, get you, you know, I didn't have uh, a tutor. I didn't have a, um, an additional hired coach coaches. Yeah. To me now it's like, what is going on? You know, um, if you didn't do it on your own and I had people supporting me, of course, they drove me, they were there to watch me and cheer me on. You know, my parents were, our grades came first. And if you didn't perform well in school, then you weren't playing sports. So, um, it, it, but no one was, no one was coddling that, um, and, and, and having to, you know, carry me through those stages in, in the sense of maybe people have asked, well, didn't, didn't you get burnt out? Didn't your parents, didn't you feel like your parents were forcing you to do it? And that never, never was once, the case. Yeah. yeah. It was for me with, in terms of school and sports, the expectation was I put on myself was higher than anyone else could have put on me. Was the expectation and the drive a derivative of 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 some grand idea that it was go you you were going to take these skill sets and it was going to help you explore and and see another part of life? It was going to expand. Yeah, when you your live ability, from, right? when it's, you live from like when you grow up in a town of J, you don't have there's there's not a, a lot of uh, 
exposure, <laughs> if you will, to, you know, bigger people than yourself. It's and here your grandmother's contained. giving you these phenomenal books that talk about the world and right. it's, and it's, and it's grand nature. Right? right. And, and here you are in this teeny little town. When did you, when did you realize that, oh, wow, my athleticism combined with my intellectualism is going to give me a way to break free, to, to elevate my, my experience and my exposure at the same time? Um, my freshman year of high school, my field hockey coach was our, he became our principal, so we could no longer coach. And he saw something in me that, you know, he thought was special. And he said, I think you should try out for this other team, this elite team. And they had a sophomore team and then a junior senior team combined. And so I went ahead and tried out for the team and I made it. And Jay's this little tiny town. And um, I was playing with girls that were two, you know, two classes ahead of me in terms of, you know, A, B, C, D, we were C. And I was playing with mostly class A girls. And I held my own and then I tried out the next year for the junior senior team, which the seniors were really good. And most of them were going division one already. And, um, I tried out, I made it. And, and then my coach couldn't, you know, the coach on that team said, I can't believe how much you've improved since last year even. And so I, played the next year as a senior and we won we came down here actually to West Palm and played and we won our entire pool and that was when um I was being scouted and uh probably prior to that but um I hadn't been able to be contacted by coaches yet so I went to you know I played in that tournament and for me it was like those just this is just so cool we get to play in warm weather on this amazing turf and it was just gorgeous and we were so good our team was incredible and yeah I played great but I wasn't even really concentrating so much but then I remember my coach pulled me to the side and just like I just want you to know the first game we were there just like the Yale coach is here and she's here to watch you play and I just remember thinking wait this is a different I'm in a different place now yeah. this is a new this is a new territory and it, what's remarkable to me is, is that the vivid nature of those moments for us, right? Right. And those those moments are really the thing that anchor perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Those perspective shifts, right. those big shifts in our ability to say, my this is my life. This is what my capabilities are. These are what my limitations are. Wow, this is it. Now you're you're this you know, young teenager, this, this, what, six, 16, yeah, 16, 16 year old girl on the yeah. senior team being scouted by one of the top women's field hockey programs in the country. And then it started for you. And, and, you know, I know we, we chat a lot about the what ifs had, yeah. what if you had been able to go to Yale or go to BC, right? Yeah. What had happened, but you ended up, you ended up going to, you got a full ride to university of Maine, uh, you, 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 you launch there. You're the 17 year old yeah. young lady from this teeny little town in Maine. And now you're playing division one sports. What, what was that like? Um, it is probably one of the, the 
the biggest shifts of my life going from the the small town to this incredible um, team of people like-minded individuals like we really all you're all there for the same purpose Um, I see it every day with our kids some kids are like picking grass and then some kids are out there and they really want to play this is a place where everybody is there with the same purpose and that's to be I mean, essentially, you know, national champions, if you can, um, everyone is a high performer where, from where they're coming from. So it's not that everyone's equal, but you're, you know, you're, you're in the same realm of, of talent and mindset. And that was so, um, that was the coolest thing for me. And finally, it's like a, it's like a sisterhood. I didn't have sisters. So you get with these girls and they become you know your best friends because I think there's so many commonalities um and you know we we had this crazy great coach that she just put this what was her name uh Terry Kicks and she yeah Terry she put this fire in our butts that were just it was just she was she was crazy about winning and wanting to just get the best take you know, bring the best out of all of us. Um, and we had this assistant coach who had played on the Olympic team. And so we, had, again, it's like that balance. She she was the skilled, calming presence. She had her crazy her too, name? Diane Maddell. Uh, she's, they're both legendary. They were both national champion players themselves. And, and, and so you get on a team like that and you just you feel like you're home. And that was the first time I was like, okay, now I can just, I can thrive within this space. It's a safe place where we're all have this, you know, for the most part, everyone has the same um, goals and aspirations and that's to be really good. Um, And you live it. It's your life. That's all you do. You eat, drink and sleep field hockey and school is, essentially second to that um as much as i'd like to say it's first i mean you obviously need to have good grades and mm-hmm. but your your life revolves around that socially everything um, yeah. everything it's your family essentially yes. i mean i i remember i i obviously didn't have quite the uh, uh quite the career collegiately as you did um but it was family yeah. And I'm still best friends with those guys today, right? You yeah. know, Mike O'Keefe and Mike Buzza and yeah. and Brian Shorts and Grant Yoder and Bill Adolph and all these beautiful, amazing human beings that mm-hmm. played such a pivotal role in 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 my existence during that time. They're, they're your family. For sure. And they support and nurture and, and those are essentially what you become thankful for, those experiences and those people, right? Yeah, yeah. Those girls are you know, they, they, when I think about who I am, they represent a piece of me that no one else will ever know, you know, that's, that's main field hockey period. Like that's, that's our, that was a time that we can, we can pull back like you can with your friends, you pull back a memory that you guys went through together and you can talk about it and you can just go on like a path of, you know, for story after story were, were you as as young ladies experiencing this this profound uh, cohesion right and that's what great teams mm-hmm. do they, they and i know your coach pushed you real hard mm-hmm. 
in this cohesion where were you where you was everybody uh um because i know uh, I, I at that point in my life i was unable to understand the relevance in that real time of what it would mean further down the line for me in my life right i had no idea that my inability to overcome this fear and manage my depression from not being able to play football was going to uh, linger as long as it did because I didn't have that perspective, right? I didn't know, man, I need to get my shit together. I need to get back on the field, play lacrosse because that's what makes me feel good to be part right. of a team. Were you aware that, hey, I, I've got essentially four years to do this. I really need to be focused and committed and understand the the opportunity that I'm living in. For sure, yeah. Um, I think there's two sides to it. So when when you're a scholarship athlete too, you you're you're aware that this is a privilege, right? This, you're you're going to school for free essentially. So you better find a way to 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 leave this all out there. Like this is this is a, not a an opportunity a lot of people get, right? And that was, that's a pretty profound feeling. Um, and, and then when you're, when you're there and you start to find success, even in that, in that space too, we had great teams. We were really pretty successful um, all four years that I was there, better as time went on. And, you know, so as a senior, it starts to come to you pretty, pretty hard. Like, this is it. Cause I'm not going, you know, past this. this I'm, I didn't, I wasn't someone who could see myself coaching. You know, I did summer camps and I was just like the fun coach that just did, you know, <laughs> funny shit the right, whole time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I liked it, but I just, I, I really only was drawn towards the girls that were really good. And as right. a coach, you can't just <laughs> favor the girls that are good. Um, so I knew it was, it was coming to an end and, um, you do have to kind of mourn that a little bit and it's an adjustment because you went, you go from that being the centralized aspect of your life identity, identity right? Yeah. I was an athlete for most of my existence and then you, it just stops. And so you have to shift and that shift, I think there was a lot going, I was going through a lot as it is, but I moved away from Maine and um, in that time I was like, what is going on? Who am I? Um, what? Before we get into answering that question. Who am I and why am I here? <laughs> you love that show so I much. All right, no, I appreciate it. Before we do that, let's take a little shift right now. And let's just give a little heads up to our sponsors. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so I, I just want to say, um, you know, again, uh, I, I've, I've, I've I've had a lot of blows to the old donut, right? Uh, too many years playing uh, contact sports as well as my time in the teams. And so as we talk all about time, one of my great fears is my uh, the lack of, of, of cognitive alacrity that I, I have. And that means my ability to stay focused, my ability to recall memory, important things, important times. And and one of the great benefits that I've had in my life to date so far uh, is really uh, through a product called Alpha Brain from Onnit. 
Uh, and I, and again, I, I, I just, I can't thank Aubrey enough for having the confidence in me and, and what we talk about here on the Frog Logic podcast to, to come on board and allow us to promote uh, his flagship or his cornerstone product and his arsenal of, of top end uh, supplements. Uh, they're some of the best supplements on, on the planet. Uh, by far, we've taken just about yeah. all, all of them they have. We Our kids love, uh, we make protein shakes, especially for our older daughter our now. athlete our yeah, version the machine yeah. and and all the uh the amino acid powders and uh protein powders are really great the bars are delicious yep. the gut health has been huge for me yeah, as well gut health, gut health is massive and just the daily packs but alpha brain especially is is just something that really uh helps clean up my my brain uh from bouncing all over the place uh, and you know, I wake up in the morning, I go, I wake up, I, I have my glass of water, I have an alpha brain with that. And man, it just, it helps me start my day in a, in a, in a very efficient and, and timely manner. Uh, so listen, uh, we are always, we're always searching for the things that improve our life for that human optimization. And I'm here to tell you that just give it a shot, man, go over to onnit.com. That's O N N I T. Uh, uh, and search for Alpha Brain. You'll find it. They've got some great uh, giveaways right now at the time. The Golden Ticket giveaway is coming on. You can win a, a, a every every bottle. You're a winner of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can win this great experience to go to on at headquarters. Uh, where you hang out with Aubrey and Kyle and all the other superstars over at On It. And if you're lucky, go to their yoga studio that I want to go to. Oh, Black Swan Yoga, man. It's so good. It's so good. The whole facility. I just can't wait to take you there. We're going to hit their neck this year. Um, and you can go and you can really experience the, what the on it family is all about. And there's just so many beautiful people out there that I have profound respect for who use their products. Uh, Michelle Williams, uh, the, the UFC fighter, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, is part owner and also uses the products himself, Brendan Schaub and the fighter and the kid, uh, Andy Stumpf uses them. Um, uh, there's just so many people who believe in the products, including myself. So go to onit.com, check out alpha brain and tell frog logic sent you. All right. And the other one is man, holy cow. Wise company, baby. <laughs> this is right here. This is peace of mind, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at this right here and just all, all of a sudden, I, I see these still stacked up. We have to feed four kids. In emergency. Push goes, yeah, comes to shove. We have a lot of mouths to feed. Think about that. Yeah. How many calories per day? The machine alone will probably have to do 4,500 calories a day <laughs> when, 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 the, zomb- be, when yeah, the zombie apocalypse is on. Oh, she's going to be so good at the Walking Dead game, isn't she? (laughs) That's twisted. That's so twisted, man. But no, in in all honesty, I mean, just what, three months ago, we were evacuating to the west coast of Florida from Hurricane Dorian. And after we put our clothes and our stuff in the back of the Suburban and then uh, I put my guns in there and, and the next thing we found out with water and Wise Company, these food supplies, um, they are, in my opinion, uh, the best uh, freeze-dried preparatory food company on the market. And listen, as a guy that spent the majority of my adult life preparing for the worst possible scenarios that you could ever imagine and having been in a lot of those, as well as having consumed uh, more processed uh, survival-based food than any one man should, uh, and I don't even come in nearly to guys that are doing 20 years over, <laughs> how about some of the folks we know that, how about Dan with, with what, 
with nine combat deployments. How much crap did he have I to know. eat, right? I wish he would have had wise company, right? Um, so the the beautiful thing about them, they 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 are owned and operated in America. They they're a, an American company out of Salt Lake City. Uh, I've been to their factory. I, I've talked to their chefs. I mean, they're producing the the best tasting, long lasting, twenty five year shelf life on my, many of their products. Right? They've got these great freeze dried treats for kids. The fruit yeah. treats. They're get, coming out with more of those. They're camping meals. They're introducing. They've got these wonderful line of camping meals mm-hmm. that you'll find. And they, I'll take the Pepsi challenge against them against any other brand on the market beating them. Uh, that's how the quality and the taste of these things. Um, and the buckets, the true survival packs. All right. The, the one thing that you have to understand is that when uh, catastrophic events hit, if you aren't already dialed in, then you're you're behind the power curve and you're not going to be able to play catch up when all hell is breaking loose. I promise you that. So the, the whole concept is being prepared, right? Uh, and, and don't just think about yourself. Think about your family. I think all, all the time when I uh, feel thankful about you and the girls, man, uh, one of the big components is, am I doing everything I need to do to make sure you guys are taken care of? And when it comes to catastrophic circumstances, uh, one based on how much you love The Walking Dead, I know you'll be prepared to, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> for that. And once we get you trained up, you'll be dialed in, right? We'll get you a samurai sword. Like, what's yeah, her I name? Want, yeah, 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 that's Michonne, all. Michonne. Sword. Yeah, you, we'll have two of them, like Deadpool for you. You'll okay. be awesome at that, right? Uh, you know, is you got to be prepared with what you're going to consume because if, if the roads are shut down, supermarkets are empty, uh, no gasoline out there, what are you going to do? Uh, there's just so many cans of, of stuff people have in their, in their cupboards. So do me a favor, go over to a wisefoodstorage.com. That's wisefoodstorage.com, right? And check out all the products they have now. If you don't want to go big off the first time, then do it. Just go get yourself the camping meal. Start off with a few the of those. Three day, the, uh, a, a, there's a yeah. three-day emergency pack you can get that's yeah. at all all um, uh, Sam's Clubs out there. You can find them there. Uh, they're going into a bunch of other stores. I think they're going into Dick's. They're going into Outdoor Sportsman and some other. Bass Pro, I think they're already in. So go and check out all the things. They've got a three-day, a 72-hour. They've got a one-month. They've got... Uh, three months, a uh, six months, and you can get the one-year package of buckets that all store nicely. Uh, just put them in the side of your garage, and you're good to go for a year's supply of food. Now, here's the deal. If you go over now, and your promo code is, fro- you type in FROGLOGIC, you get 25% off everything they have. And that's on top of, too, if they also have uh, the existing sales, you put that code in, man, you'll get it all. So go over to wisefoodstorage.com, put in the promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off everything they have for sale. Uh, I'm telling you, this peace of mind is something that'll give you a relief and and uh, just a, a happiness about it that you won't even believe. Um, it's really a special thing uh, to be able to uh, know that you're prepared and you're ready for the worst uh, with Wise Company. All right. And again, promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off. Money back guarantee, 90 day money back guarantee if you don't like what you got. Uh, but I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And then you're going you're gonna to be ready and you'll be wise at that point. Awesome. Uh, also, uh, real quick for us, uh, we've got a new uh, a website. Uh, we, we completed a new store. Uh, we've got some great new products that we're releasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're, we'll start. We've got some new kids shirts that go in line with the new kids book that we'll talk about in a little bit. So go check those out. Be a Frog Logic recruit. 
Uh, we've got new sweatshirts for the first time ever. First time. First time ever. Frog Logic is is uh, has a hoodie for you. Uh, these beautiful kind of metallic gray mm-hmm. uh, with these wonderful embroidered uh, Frog Logic decal logos on them. Uh, we're really going to try and focus on the embroidered stuff now uh, instead of a lot of the other stuff. Uh, it's just such a, a great. So the sweatshirt's really soft. It, they're incredible. Next yeah. level makes a, the a fantastic. Hood, the hood has a, a jersey lining to it. It's it's very uh, cozy. I'm telling you what, people are going to eat these up, right? So go over to uh, Frog Light. We're having a, a, a sale over uh, the Thanksgiving Day weekend, and then we're going to have these package sales leading up to Christmas for sure. And then the one and only, the one that has been our greatest seller all time that we're bringing back is the the blue the navy blue flex, flex fit, fit embroidered frog logic decal all right now i'm here to tell you uh, uh if you wear this hat everybody not everybody but a lot of people will say what the hell is that logo right there yeah. that's the one thing it's one of the most unique logos out there i, I think it's pretty great logo I, mm-hmm. I i don't know i think you're falling in love with it too aren't you oh i think it's like the next Nike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so full of shit. Oh, that's why I love her, everybody. Yeah. So so go over. We got Flex Fits hats plus all the other hats. We've got two styles of trucker hats. We've got great Frog Logic logo t-shirts. Mm-hmm. We got all kinds of stuff, but our new products out there are the hoodie sweatshirt, this beautiful hat, the the kids' shirts, and drum roll, please. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what we got right here, I'm going to pull it up on the screen. And for those you can't, here it is. Doc Frog is making a comeback, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Doc yeah. Frog is back. But this time, Doc Frog is back with the Anti-Bully Brigade. That's right. The Anti-Bully book I've been promising for years. I Finally, we got it done. We got it edited. We got it done. We printed it out. We're ready for pre-orders as well as we'll have those. Pre-orders will begin uh, at midnight on Black Friday. But, so yeah. the uh, the Friday is yep. the 20. Yeah. Anyways, this Friday, yeah. you'll know, the day after uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and we'll have those pre-orders all the way through. We're going to na- make a nice bundle after the pre-orders for the book. Uh, with the uh, so, anyways, just to give you a quick idea, um, one of the number one problems that we have in this country, as well as everywhere else around the world, is bullying. Uh, approximately 150 to 175 thousand kids stay home every single day from bullying. Did you know that? Yeah. It is an unbelievable statistic. Less than, less than. Oh, it's only and also almost 35 to 40 percent of all bullying incidents never go reported to. So this is a, a, a systemic issue that mostly has to deal with just the the natural evolution of hierarchies that exist within within kids. But uh, I'm telling you what, there's nothing worse than if your child or you have ever experienced bullying. Uh, it is a debilitating thing uh, that is also now with teenage suicide on the uh, uptick. Uh, they believe that bullying plays I a major believe, role in that. Yeah, I believe uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death amongst teenage girls think about that yeah and mostly due to being bullied and feeling Uh, they don't belong a hundred percent i mean the ostrich kids are so much more available to ostracize one another than than the internet uh bullying is off the charts you know this anonymity this constant cycle and that's really one of the big 
challenges is that kids aren't able to escape it, right? Whereas before you leave school, you come home, you've got the sanctity of your own your own living yeah. environment, your own home. You might and get that, prank called or something, but that's about it. But that was it. Yeah. Now it follows you on all social media platforms. It follows you everywhere you go. So what we did is uh, we decided, me and, and Brian called a few years ago, decided, hey, man, we need to address this. It's the perfect opportunity for our Navy SEAL superhero, Doc Frog, uh, to address this very substantial problem in a very positive and sophisticated way. Essentially, what we're teaching is we're teaching how an individual to cultivate a team, to put them together, to combat bullying in one of the most profound ways ever suggested to kids nowadays. Uh, essentially, what you have is Doc and his team, Wiley Wolf, who's a, a, a former Green, or Green Beret, uh, Semper Fido, who's a Marine recon, Marsoc guy, uh, and then Hannah Hawk. My favorite. You, you, Hannah, of course she's your favorite, who's a Air Force special, special Ops person as well as CIA. Uh, they all get together. They bring their thousands and thousands of uh, mission profiles together in order to cultivate uh, a very sophisticated uh, uh, but kid-friendly operation uh, in order to combat bully. Mm -hmm. uh, so Doc Frog is back with the, the next field manual for kids, uh, and this is the anti-bully manual. So you'll be able to pre-order these. Uh, and, starting Friday. Yes, yeah, starting Friday. And, uh, yeah. Pretty awesome. And I also want to just give a, a quick shout out to Brian Colt, our creative, uh, uh, the creative brains behind the look and the feel for this book. Uh, without Brian, we couldn't have done this uh, as well. And once you get a load of this, you can also, we've got the original Doc Frog book, which is a physical training book uh, for kids. 12 basic exercises to begin initiating uh, a healthy uh, platform for physical fitness as well as motivation. So, Doc, uh, it's starting. We've, we're we're, we're going to have the series here soon, but uh, give it, us your feedback too. Yeah, to hear. Please, yep. uh, write comments, uh, direct message us, uh, hit us online, email us in on how your kid responds to it. If they like it, if they don't, because uh, it's all about helping kids, man. Yeah, awesome. All right, are you ready? Yes. So, um, you know. For me, the most fascinating aspect in terms of those shifts for you is, you know, you go down to New Jersey, you become an, you're nannying down there for a great family and you, and you run in and you meet Tony mm -hmm. and, and, and Tony is this larger than life guy. Mm -hmm. He's this beautiful soul. Um, and you know, and, and what's amazing to me is, is, you know, it, here, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're 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 having dinner at Bruce Springsteen's house because because mm -hmm. Tony was Bruce's personal trainer and eventually did a lot of uh, assisted mm -hmm. things for him too, right? Right. What what was that like coming from you know Jay Maine? Now all of a sudden, uh, you're you're in and around the the a life that is really um, a derivative of one of the biggest rock and roll music icons in history. And, well, and that's no, by, by, by no measure am I demeaning or taking away from who Tony was as the individual who you fell in love mm -hmm. with. But I am saying that that's part of the lifestyle that now all of a sudden you right. found yourself in. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I met him in the home of Bruce Springsteen on vacation <laughs> in Lake Placid, New York. So um, it happened all in one and the same, right? Um, so... From the shift 
happen, you know, there's always these shifts, right? Or these, these periods of, of, of change. And I was at that stage of a young woman kind of ready to take on the world in a different manner than I had. And I really had no idea what that meant. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to be away from, from Maine because I had been there through college and I think I was ready to just, I'd seen the world a little bit with that family I nannied for during a a summer and we traveled in Europe. And when you get exposed to things outside of this little, Maine is, there's a million people in the entire state. So it's a gorgeous place. It's beautiful. We're, we're fortunate to have been raised there, but um, it's, it's small in the grand scheme of, of, of this world. So I wanted to continue evolving myself and it, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to live with this family down in New Jersey who were greatly sophisticated people who were cultured and who were always, I was having really, um, in-depth conversations with, with them, um, especially I became really close with the mom. Um, and the lifestyle that they led was, you know, they were wealthy, but they had a lot of, uh, culture within, within their life. And so I was already kind of feeling it and I'd go in their bookshelf and I'd pick a book and I'd read and, you know, and we'd talk about things that were different and, that I, you know, coming from college where, again, it's field hockey and it's school and my my school background is nutrition. So it's kind of, I don't have time to explore. I mean, I know you did, but <laughs> I <laughs> I, um, I didn't read a book unless it was in the summer and I had, a, you know, some free time. Um, and so I, when I, when I met Tony, I... I had a feeling in myself that I was already on this greater path of, of experience. And it was funny cause I, I was pretty shy, but I was, um, I was confident in, in my ability to hold, hold my own within this. And I don't know if it was, um, you know, his immaturity. And I say that like very loosely because he wasn't immature, but he was, uh, you know, kind of crazy and, and he was unfiltered. Yeah, he he's from New Jersey, man. <laughs> um, and so, even though he was older than I, he was in a he was almost in the same stage of life that I was in. So he hadn't gone to college. Mm-hmm. So he was just coming off of his college years, which were um, going on tour with Bruce Springsteen for five years. Wow. Um, so his first his first tour was with them on their reunion tour in 1999 wow. so 1999 I was still in high school <laughs> so that was kind of like a similarity I guess you know um it, it I didn't feel so intimidated by by it because also I wanted to learn more about the people than yeah. I cared about all the glitz and glamour and fortunately you know the Springsteen's are people that don't really possess that they're very they're very humble within their existence of who they are and what they have. Um, it's pretty stripped down. Their Sunday dinners are family, and and so it didn't um, it didn't feel over, it wasn't overwhelming to me. Um, and really, they had become 
essentially Tony's surrogate family too, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he yep. had had some challenges with his own family mm-hmm. and now is essentially was adopted by Bruce and, and Patty. And, yeah. and, and so all of a sudden now this is your family essentially, right? Right, right. Um, and we started, you know, a couple of years after I, I met him, I, I was pregnant with, with my daughter. And, um, and so I was still young, but it's, it happens fast and you don't have a choice and you, you just figure it out. And so it was nice to know that, um, within, you know, Tony had other good friends that, that were a great extension of a family for us, but we also had this matriarch and patriarch of, of a family who, you know, were, we were able to kind of bounce things off of as we started our own family yeah. and it was really important to him. I know for sure he needed that. And, um, and so it was, it was less about the, the exposure to that lifestyle as it was about just, um, how do you, how do you tell people back home? Like I'm spending Easter dinner at the Springsteen's house, you know, and, <laughs> and not feeling like you're full, you know, you're full of yourself. And, yeah. And um, because it's pretty cool, you know, um, or going to shows or traveling around, you know, meeting Bono backstage. Yeah, that was surreal. <laughs> but in in a weird way, it's part of it. Yeah. Um, and I had Tony as a buffer because he was a person who would meet and greet these people and he would tell me what they were really like, yeah. you know, and not, Bono was great, but there were other celebrities that he would come and, you know, and, and close quarters with and say oh man he's a jerk he's exactly what you think you know yeah. and and so you it, it it doesn't become as um overwhelming as overwhelming yeah. and it's not as taboo as yeah. you would think yeah one of the stories i love most about how you you talk about those days with to- tony is you you talk about his ability to uh, he's not he was never starstruck right he he was always grounded mm-hmm. and just and and and, and, and connected to his, who he was and what he was processing. Right. Yep. And, and always trying to search for the best, something better in himself and really growing mm-hmm. in these experiences. And I, and I can he was only a realist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, and what's amazing for me is, you know, being, you guys are in this big transitional space together in your mm-hmm. lives and, and you've got, you know, the swan has been born and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, now, now the seed start comes along and you're really in this, this growing space, right? You're yeah. really maturing into, um, you know, kind of that next level. But what I always hear in your description is Tony was very aware of things. He was very aware of, of you, right? He was very mm-hmm. aware when, when he was present to, to say, Hey, wow, this is, this is good. We got it good right now he was yeah. thankful person yeah for you in particular yeah. you always yeah. describe him to me as he was always he always had a, a profound gratefulness for me being in his life can you talk a little bit about that yeah I think um I, I just described him as being a realist but I think I am too I don't I don't get um I don't really believe in bullshit so um (laughs) you can spew your stuff to me but it it doesn't impress me unless I really you know unless it's really true right if I see it and I and I experience it with you then I believe it and I and I feel it and then I you know I'll 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 help you go to that level but um 
in terms of, you know, where I came from, he didn't have any of those fond memories and that same feeling of, uh, of family and, and structure. So he was intrigued by that. He had just really had no, um, you know, he, he thought it was just the first time he came home with me to meet my family. He couldn't believe that we all just sat around and hung out together. It's like people <laughs> in my family don't like each other. No one talks. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, you know, it, it became fascinating for him. And so the shift where he's older and he's had all these crazy experiences and then we have our child together and he doesn't, he doesn't know how to do it. Right. And so I became this person where he was the impressionable one. Then I became the impressionable one to him. Right. Wow. And so at a young, I was 25 when I had the, the swan. And so, um, I didn't know everything for sure. I didn't know what I was doing most of the time, but my inner, um, like calmness was like something that he, he had to try to match. And yeah. then with that, you know, I, I think I became sort of this, like the person that he w looked to for answers and it shifted yeah. for us. Um, and it became about family and it became about relationships and it became about what really is what what matters what what are we really grateful and thankful for um and uh yeah it, it was i remember feeling like well, he's watching me you know instead of me watching him yeah. and trying to learn from him um and that gave me a lot of confidence um, because I felt like it, you know, it was the first time that I was leading a situation that was different than, you know, that something that about from myself, I was leading a family. Yeah. And it, that's a pretty empowering feeling. Oh, uh, unbelievably empowering. And, and once you get out of your own, you know, I, I think you're unique in terms of you're always you're always able to put everybody else ahead of yourself. I mean, it's a remarkable thing. I think, you know, that's where I hear these great, um, a similar, this great similarities between you and, 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 and Mimi, right. And Pepe's wife, Meme, and then, yeah. Meme, yeah. sorry. Uh, you know, that, um, you're willing to take on, that responsibility. It's just part yeah. of who you are. Well, she inspired that for sure because yeah. she doesn't, like I said, she doesn't, she didn't judge the person. Um, and she, she was able to, she had strength like no one I've ever known. Um, and I am so fortunate to have these amazing women that I, my mom is a bull. I mean, I've never, she's not, she won't not do something. She will figure out a way. Um, and her loyalty is just, it's unprecedented. Like for sure. My mom is the most loyal person when she loves you and she wants to take care of you. Yeah, she, she, she won't. Yeah. Nothing will get in her way. The enforcer. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's just, um, and, and, and a strength that, you know, is it's piercing. Yeah. Yeah. It's piercing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I, I think it's one of the, 
you know, one of the millions of reasons I love you as much as I do is that that strength is always present and I can always anchor in, in my frustrations that, that happen frequently about, you know, the kind of the, what, you know, whatever sparks my anxiety or triggers me in whatever negative way, you know, I always, you know, I'm looking for the reminder that you're in my life and you give me that, that, that consistency, that, that really beautiful structure and, and, um, and that cornerstone, right? You represent the cornerstone. When you think about that moment where all of a sudden you're 29 years old, you're a new widow, you have a four-year-old, you have a four-month-old, and when you take the time and you evaluate the perspective of your life with Tony, being a Division I collegiate athlete, captain of your team, growing up in Jay, Maine with the influence of your, your siblings and your father, and then coming from uh, May May and Pepe, and then your, your other grandparents, this collection of experiences actually prepared you for this intense shift in your reality. Yeah. Uh, the strength of the people around me, the way that I, you know, saw how they handled themselves um, in times of distress. And man, like, it was not something that you can prepare for. But in the same sense, somehow somebody something prepared me to handle it with a little bit of grace. Um, so I think the biggest, the thing that I focused on the most was um, I don't want to, I, if I can avoid being this, the way that I respond to this being a detriment to my children in any shape or form that then, then I have succeeded in some way. And I mean that, and, you know, obviously there's remnants of it that will always affect my, my kids and the way that I handle myself and the, and the, the pain that I went through, they have taken on somehow, somewhere, but, um, I just didn't want something that at that time I thought was my responsibility to become something that was, uh, was, you know, uh, um, what's the right word? Uh, I, I guess a definition of their childhood. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. But it's, it's almost unavoidable, right? In the same sense, they're always going to be children who had a father who died. Yeah. Um, whether they remember it or not, that's the facts. Uh, that's that's that that's it. And I'm going to have been a widow at 29. I can't change that. So you take it, and you know, as easy as that is to say, now you take it, and then you figure out a way to, you know, uh, learn and use that as the focus of how you're going to live your life. Um, that's the only thing you can do. And the pain within that is like no other. Um, there's no, there's no reference point of up and down. Um, what's good, what's bad. Uh, all you do is just kind of, it's like, it's, it's, it, you know, trial and error. Like anything that, you know, every day, every, every day. minute, uh, no, not every minute. Um, sometimes every day, uh, 
I just literally thought that I was going to be, you know, alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I kind of like wrapped that up and just put it and said, that's it. That's no one's going to want to take this on. Um, and, you know, I think for a couple of years, I was happy. I was, I was fine with that. I didn't have any reason. But then, you know, you realize I, I, I didn't want to be alone and, and I didn't want my children, you know, only having me to, to help figure all this world out. And so, um, life went on, life happened and somehow I ended up in South Florida and, uh, at a time where I went through this, this massive transition emotionally, um, I had gone through that stance again. I'm I'm okay. I don't need to have anybody. I just need to focus on my children. I met you and um it changes everything when you meet somebody who actually understands you. And the best part of it all is that everything we both have brought to the table I don't think there's there's uh there's nothing that makes me feel uncomfortable that you've been through and there's nothing about what I've been through that you can't also embrace in some way either and we don't um it's not our paths have not been pretty um but in some strange way we've found each other in it and it's a I I I don't even know how it's possible. Wow. God's real. Yeah. And God is, is, is in our lives every day. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the root, the root of true love is, is in, is, is founded in the belief system that, you know, we all have that ability. We all have that ability to, pass through the crucibles of our lives right to to go to weather the storm however however significant it is that when you do come out the other side and the opportunity presents us the miracle of life which is love to love another human being presents itself in such a pure way as it did with you and i man the only thing that you can recognize is gratitude yeah it's it's to recognize Man, not that long ago, I, I I didn't think I would ever experience anything in this person, and even in this realm, much less the deep rooted nature of a true love, right? right. Or the the comprehensive um, security in knowing there's a person across who will forgive you, mm-hmm. who won't judge you, mm-hmm. who will nurture you, who will support you, who will die for you. Man, that's the next level of freedom, yeah. right? Right. That's really the next level, um, you know. And as a as a, a a person who's driven much like you, much of my life, I think I was I was thankful for the capacity to be ambitious. I was thankful for the capacity to push myself to uh, endure a, a significant amount of pain in order to burgeon my experience level to have greater perspective on life, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until you that I realized that all of that was in preparation for you. And and, and, And handling, like, 
our family situation and and what that means the responsibility that you have within that and the responsibility that I have within that are that are two different things but somehow we have we we got to this place for a reason a hundred percent and and I you know I think what we ought to do for sure is in you know uh, in, in probably our next show we do together, we're, we're going to really introduce parenting and we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about what it means to, uh, parent and value systems, the value systems that we bring to collective together. We're going to talk about, um, inspiring your children, right? We're mm-hmm. going to talk about, uh, discipline and love. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, pushing your children to experience new things, uh, uh, a blended we're going to talk about blended family so I mean, we'll do well, a f- and th- and that goes back to one of the biggest things like we can we can show our kids because we've been through so much we can explain to them and and they I want my girls to know that it isn't easy and I want your girls to know why it isn't easy right and we want them we want to show each of them and all of them um, that you can be a woman who does all this, but also, you know, having someone like I have of you who supports all those things is, is, is not just a, it's not a bonus. It's actually, that's, that's what you need to seek out. You need to seek, seek it all out. And, and through the struggle of, of, of life, um, you might lose that feel that you can you can have it all, but you can. And, well, and, and everyone has a different what is all, right? Well, remember, I mean, based on our own, uh, where we're at in our life and our perception of what our needs are, many times we make choices that turn out to be not the greatest choices, right. but right. they're choices regardless that we have to live with. And I think it is, it is a, an ongoing process. And and, but it, as long as you can really anchor yourself in being grateful for those experiences, regard you know the the awesome ones, the you know the first meeting of you, our first date, you know our first mm-hmm. kiss on the beach, man, I, I you know those were transformative moments in my existence, right? Mm-hmm. But more so, just how grateful I am to God, how grateful I am to Christ that every day I get you in my life and to make sure you know I have gratitude to make sure you know I'm thankful for you to make sure and that becomes a component of our dialogue which it is on a regular basis and then and then being able to inspire our children to accept the details of their gratitude and things in their life regardless if they are painful or or they're they're um they're illuminating if you will right Mm -hmm. so I just, you know, as, as we move into this and this is, uh, our first Thanksgiving in our home together, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big first for us. Um, I know we're having dinner at my parents, but we're, you know, the collective reality of our all total existence together in this home, you know, what are the things that you re- reflect on most right now in terms of your gratitude and, and your thankfulness? What is, what is some the thing that I reflect on the most? Yeah. What are the things that have been popping into your head and this week? And what do you think you'll experience tomorrow on Thanksgiving? Um, I think for me, you know, being away from my family, but having 
you and all the girls and your parents and your brother is more meaningful to me. You know, I, I can't go home. We can't get home for every holiday. Um, so the feeling, I miss my family as soon as I think about it, you know, as a holiday coming. And I we, we talked to them today over the, you know, over FaceTime. And um, it brings back all that stuff from my childhood that we talked about, all the all the times together. Um, it hits me hard during during those moments. But there's such a beautiful feeling that I have in terms of gratitude that your family, your parents especially, have taken me and my girls in like without a thought um, and that we get to share these times, this this big holiday, these next few holidays, birthdays, everything, whatever it may be, that I now have an extended family outside of just, you know, mine in Maine. And I am beyond grateful for that. Um, I... Another thing is just the the growth in our children and seeing that sometimes on a weekly basis. Physically, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's profound right now. Yeah. They are growing at such a rapid pace that I don't even, it's surreal. There's moments where I'm like, I think to myself, holy mother of God, I don't know where we, what happened to the last eight years of my life. Um, and to just be able to every day, we, we every day check in and there's an evaluation process, whether it's like out of pure exhaustion or our debrief, our debrief is might be, uh, there's different forms of it, but, um, to know that I can sit with you and lay with you and, and feel that we're on the same page. You have my back. I have your back. It is probably the most uh, that that it's a feeling of it goes beyond comfort because it's 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 just a profound sense of um, it's, it's like it's a com- accomplishment too that that I've worked hard to to get to this place. I know it's not over, but you want to be with me for each and every victory or loss along the way. I, that is exactly it. I mean, that's as about as well put as any human being could put it. And, and, you know, for me, uh, um, I, I just know, I know that for the rest of my days on this earth and, and with, God's grace for eternity. Um, I, I get to I get to be thankful for you every day. I get to be thankful for all the little things that we experience. I get to have gratitude every day uh, for um, those minute details that mean the world, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and and uh, you know, I always kind of laugh about the millions of different reasons why I love you, but it's true. There are so many, and there. What the beauty of it is now when you come together with somebody and you come together with that's rooted in deep faith, that's rooted in, 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 in um, commitment to each other, that's rooted in that real team orientation, you know, the, the possibilities are, are limitless. Yeah. And just what we've, you know, what I've seen in my growth 
right? My understanding of the definition of love has, has changed because of you. My my uh, confidence in myself has changed because of you. My my ability at doing what I do for a living as a as a speaker and a performance coach and and as you know just my writing, my writing and social yeah. media, my writing and what I write every day, my evaluation process. I I everything has 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 gained so much more uh, um, gravity to it. There's more weight in every part of my life now because you're in it. And, and that really is, 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 you know, what I'm most thankful for by, by far. Yeah. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you.